Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Managing Director, Charts and Data Operations at Billboard. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Executive Digital Director, West Coast. How's it going, Katie? It's going great. How about yourself, Keith? I'm all right. Uh, making some Legos this past weekend. Oh, really? It's totally music. I mean, I wasn't like manufacturing Legos. <laughs> I, know. I figured I you were building. building. Legos. Yes, yes. I was just sitting. I was just trying to. Though I work seven days a week, I was just trying to have a moment of zen on a Sunday afternoon mm. where I was playing some pop music and building some Legos. That sounds wonderful. And even though it was the Barbie movie this weekend, not the Lego movie, that still sounds fun. You know, I actually I, I made an attempt, meaning I looked online for seats for Oppenheimer and for Barbie. And I wanted to see Oppenheimer in 70 millimeter IMAX. Mm. There's only three theaters in the greater L.A. area playing it. And the two closest ones to us, the Chinese theater on Hollywood Boulevard or wherever it was, and Universal CityWalk theaters, both sold out, including the 6 a.m. screening. 6 a.m.? I didn't even know that they would do that. Apparently they did. And it was sold out at the Chinese theater, the Chinese theater, which is like a gargantuan sized theater. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to wait. I don't need to see it opening weekend. I'm good on seeing both of them later. They're both going to be around for a while. It's I'm true. An old man. It's true. Clearly. They will be. But wow, that's amazing. I guess that really shows how uh, popular they truly were. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I digress. Uh, Legos, Barbie, toys. It's all vaguely music related or not. Mm-hmm. Because as always... The Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got chart news on how BTS's Jungkook debuts at number one on the Billboard Hot 100 with seven featuring Lotto, scoring both acts their first number ones, while Jason Aldean notches his biggest Hot 100 hit ever as the much-talked-about Try That in a Small Town debuts at number two following the controversy around its new music video. Plus, over on the Billboard 200 Albums chart, Taylor Swift's Speak Now, Taylor's version, holds firm at number one in its second week of release, the first one of Swift's three re-recorded albums to spend its first two weeks at number one. Also on the show, we're talking about Britney Spears and Will I Am's musical reunion for Mind Your Business. And in very, very sad news, Tony Bennett died last week at age 96. So we'll remember his career and legacy in just a moment. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts for Billboard, visit Billboard.com slash podcasts. Okay. Let's do the chart chat. First up, on the Billboard Hot 100, we've got a pair of debuts in the top two, as BTS's Jungkook soars in at number one with seven, featuring Lotto, while Jason Aldean's Try That in a Small Town, which has been out actually since May, bows at number two following controversy generated by the debut of its new music video last week. So let's break down the numbers a bit, shall we? We shall. K- Katie is nodding, nodding vigorously. <laughs> uh, in the week ending July 20th in the U.S., Seven had 21.9 million streams, 
6.4 million in airplay audience and 153,000 in sales. Of course, that's all according to Luminate. And that latter sales number consists of 138,000 in digital downloads and another 15,000 in CD singles, all sold through his web store. Yes, CD singles, they're a thing, apparently, at least sometimes for certain <laughs> artists. Um, also, the song was aided by its availability in both an explicit and clean version, an instrumental version, as well as two remixes, one dubbed a summer remix and one dubbed a band remix. I don't know what the band remix means. If it means the rest of BTS is on it, that seems very yeah, unlikely no, to me. I don't think so. I don't yeah. think that's it. <laughs> um, all of the versions of the song are combined for tracking and charting purposes. So if you streamed any of those versions or bought any of those versions, uh, they all counted towards the one overall number for this song. Speaking of which, I thought it might be interesting to note how each of those versions sold. Yes, that please. Might be kind of a curiosity to some people. The explicit version sold 41,000 copies. And this is all downloads, by the way. The clean version did 35,000. The instrumental did 22,000. The summer mix sold 20,000. And the band mix did about 20,000. So sales are spread kind of somewhat evenly across all the different versions, which isn't that crazy to think, because when you have a passionate fan base, they might try to buy every version yeah. that exists. Mm -hmm. um, but it is interesting to kind of see this kind of pattern of sales across multiple versions, you know, and how they all add up to a really big number. Uh, so Seven debuts at number two on the digital song sales chart, number four on the streaming songs chart but did not debut on the radio songs chart. I took a listen to uh, Seven, and uh, it was a very fun, upbeat pop song. And the I also... The explicit version or the clean ha, version? Well, the music video version, I watched the video, so I suppose that's probably explicit. Mm, I think it's the... Well, I watched a version where he does not say the word that I think he's supposed oh, to say Oh, I don't even know what what's explicit about it. I guess I assumed I, it was Lotto's verse that was the explicit part. Wasn't there a thing about how he was saying the F word all over oh, the place? Oh, well, I didn't hear that. So I guess okay, maybe no. the music video is censored. But um, I watched the music video and... Uh, but I, I I didn't realize ahead of listening that it was going to be like a seven days a week reference. And it totally made me think about uh, Craig David. Do you remember that song, Seven Days by Craig David? Mm -hmm. yes. It's like totally the flashback that I had listening to it, like going through each day of the week. And <laughs> this, is, this, this speaks to our different generation because I thought about Sherelle's Saturday Love. <laughs> Which is go. the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, <laughs> on Sunday, Monday. So clearly there for every generation, there is a I'm going to love you really good every single day of the week song. And yeah. now there's Jungkook 7. <laughs> though, though I'm not sure how many music videos can say they've had a artist uh, sort of dancing suggestively and licking a casket in a music video like this one. I know that's I was wondering what that would be Lotto. She did that. But what are armies thinking of there being a funeral for Jungkook in the music video and he's lying in a casket? Well, you know, <laughs> spoiler alert, he's, he's not dead. He's really alive, guys. It's just a, it's just a way to basically, you know, 
try to get to his girl right. again. Right. Eventually, he wear. To me, the video kind of remind. Go watch the video. To me, the video <laughs> reminded me of the way you make me feel by Michael Jackson, mm. where eventually he just wears down the girl, and she's like, "Fine, I'll go out with you." Jeez. It's just an adorable form of stalking. <laughs> Katie said it. I didn't. Um, all right. So um, next up. Try That in a Small Town, Jason Aldean's song. So it generated 11.6 million streams, 7.3 million in airplay audience, and it sold 228,000 copies, all from digital downloads. And it bows at number 37 on the streaming songs chart. It's number one on the digital song sales chart. And like Seven, it didn't debut on the radio songs chart. Um, Unlike Seven... There is only one version of Small Town, so all 228,000 sales are for the one and only available version of the song. So what I thought was interesting here, I did some not-so-fancy math. The digital song sales for Seven and Try That in a Small Town are so big, they combined to sell 366,000 downloads last week. That accounts for 12% of the entire digital song sales market in the United States last week. Just those two songs, which speaks to, I suppose, the power of those two songs, as well as the overall depressed state of the digital song sales market in the United States right now. Sure. All of the above. Yeah. Um, Also, clearly, there were two, we assume, quite different fan bases buying these songs in great quantities, though I do wonder how many members of the BTS army are also fans of country music and perhaps of Jason Aldean. I'm not sure how, how much crossover there is I don't is know between about that two. Venn diagram. I do think just because, uh, well, I mean, and we'll get into the controversy of it all, but I think that a, a large swath of people, whether you are pro this song or anti, watch the video to see what all the buzz was about. On either side of the fence. Therefore, I bet the BTS army has some crossover there either side. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I watched the video. Exactly. Clearly, I mean, so we, did we I. both watched the video. Yep. I mean, I didn't buy the song. So neither did I. I just okay. full disclosure, <laughs> full disclosure. Um, well, anyway, I mean, the, the big sales for Jungkook are nothing to be surprised by um, as BTS's fans. You know, the army are known to activate whenever there is a new single to support and purchase. Um, as for Aldine, his sales are so big, they're actually the largest weekly sales for any country song in 10 years. The last country song to sell more in a single week was Florida Georgia Line's Cruise in late June 2013, when it sold 244,000 copies, as reflected on the chart dated July 6th of that year. And that's saying a lot, considering we still have two country songs in the top five of the Hot 100 right now. Morgan Wallen's Last Night, which has been number one uh, so far for 14 weeks. And also uh, Luke Combs's cover of Tracy Chapman's Fast Car. So yeah, we've got three, three country songs in the top five. <laughs> in the top five. five. We sure yeah. do. Um, let's talk a little bit more about the, um, you know, just all the buzz around this song, because it's actually been out since May, the song. Um, and, you know, has been a, a quiet, uh, you know, country single. It's been I've, I've heard it on the radio before last week. So oh. um, now the Not reason. On Coast. No, I heard it on Sirius. I remember hearing it on uh, 
uh, gosh, the highway, is that what that country station's oh, called? Oh, that makes sense, yeah. Um, anyway, when I was back home, and uh, I'm sorry, I'm still in Maine. I think I told you that a couple weeks ago on the podcast, but anyway... Uh, Jason Aldean's song has been out but since May, but last week is when this music video premiered, um, the Friday before last. And basically the video uh, was shot in front of a, a state building uh, with clips in of in Georgia, which is where Aldean's from, uh, with clips of, um, you know, like CNN news reports, Fox News news reports about protests around the country and the world, because it's not just exclusive to America, the news clips. Uh, I recognized one of the clips, uh, unless I'm completely mistaken, there was definitely a clip of someone throwing something at a window in a shop on the Third Street Promenade in Santa oh, Monica. Oh, when, when there were those really bad the protests Black Lives in Santa Matt, Monica. Yeah, the, the, the crazy protests. I don't know if there were—I wouldn't consider them Black Lives Matter protests. I think it was a lot of looting that was happening Yeah, that it was—and that's the thing. So the, the video shows a lot of clips of, you know, when protests go uh, more violent. Off the rails, uh, yeah. When they go off the rails, when it's no longer uh, the, you know, peaceful protesters associated with the movement that they're there for, it, it goes— it, completely different direction. Uh, and there was a lot of backlash starting Sunday, Monday after the video's release, where people started picking up on it because uh, they started people started connecting it to, um, you know, the idea of like small like a small town vigilante sort of idea, like, oh, don't come into this town or you're going to get taken care of by the good old boys kind of thing. And I mean, that's kind of what he's saying. That's I mean, he's not saying he's a vigilante. He's basically yeah. saying, don't try this crap in a small town. Because we take care of our own, and we don't want that here is the right. vibe he's so trying to get is, across. who is our own, I guess, is the question. And he made it very mm. clear in his response that he said it doesn't have anything to do with, like, uh, race or anything like that. But uh, a lot of people pointed out that this uh, state building that he uh, filmed in front of was the site of a lynching of a black man who was accused of raping a white woman in the late 1920s. And it's an interesting choice of building to film in front of when you're kind of singing a song about, you know, the idea of somebody just taking care of, you know, crime on their own. And, you know, it's it's the whole right. thing is very tricky. And so our own Melinda Newman reported she was the one that uh, got this scoop on Monday that CMT was pulling the music video from rotation um, that kind of started the real tidal wave of reaction, because once that happened, then it became a, you know, Fox News story. Then it became, uh, you know, a lot of people trying to rally behind Jason Aldean saying, oh, how are they going to cancel this music video? Because, you know, he's just talking about small town stuff. It's not like it's not racial. It's not whatever. Um, right. So there's just this whole buzz back and forth. So, so Jason, Jason Aldean actually has Melinda Newman and Billboard to thank. For this success. <laughs> well, CMT, I think, is the real. <laughs> but no one would have known if CMT had even taken the video off the air if oh, Melinda hadn't reported it. I think somebody else would have broken that information if All CMT right. stopped playing it. But um, it's like people are still watching CMT for the videos? I mean, that's the other thing. It's like, okay, CMT 
can't, you know, doesn't play anymore. Where could I possibly watch a music video in the year 2023 oh, if CMT's not playing it? I, um, I mean, I don't, I don't know. So many people apparently uh, who don't use the iTunes store suddenly learned how to use it for the first time in <laughs> a long quick. time last week. Um, but uh, Jason Aldean had a concert in Cincinnati on Friday night, which was his first concert after all this hullabaloo. And he, you know, decried cancel culture and, uh, you know, went on a whole spiel about, you know, uh, the song being not what everyone thinks it's about and et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's number two on the Hot 100 now. I, I mean, all of this. I mean, it was a it was a song that has been out since May. And now all of a sudden, bam, number two. So, yeah, I mean, like, it's funny, like I heard so much about this video and then I watched it and I was like, oh, OK, but I wasn't like. I guess aghast I, I, because I was I was prepared for the worst and then I watched it and I'm like, you know, he could have been he could have had a sort of like a more delicate hand in this with this video. Like, you know, did he purposely choose the location for any particular reason? I mean, I don't know. You, you could probably pick any number of locations in Georgia. And, and it, was it probably, probably has a, lynching. a questionable history. That's yeah. that's fair. Um, you know, he was probably he was probably choosing it because he saw it as a seat of government, of law and order, of the police, of, you know, Laws. The other layer of this that I did not mention um, that a lot of people have been calling attention to is there's a verse in the song talking about how basically how like liberal politicians want to round up people's guns. And that's part that's a piece of this as well, that um, it's, you know, pro gun, pro Second Amendment. And uh, Jason, of course, was the artist who was performing on stage uh, during the Route 91 festival in Las Vegas when 600 or 60 people, I'm sorry, were killed and hundreds were injured um, during a mass shooting. And so there was a, a lot of questions about, like, why are we, you know, talking about, like, or why are we anti-gun legislation when you were involved in the, you know, deadliest mass shooting um, to, you know, our country has seen? Like, how, how, like, what is this dichotomy? Like, why are you doing a song about please don't round my guns up after, you know, this thing happened that you were a part of, you were on stage when it happened. So it's just, it's just, it's complicated Layers. is what it is. It's, it's just complicated. It, I, it's a far cry from John Mellencamp's classic 80s hit, Small Town. <laughs> D definitely a different small town. I grew up in a small town, too. John Mellencamp and Jason Aldean. And uh, I just don't recognize uh, my upbringing or my small town in any of these lyrics. I can tell you that much. Um, Cheryl Crow uh, talked about, you know, the same kind of thing. She doesn't know what small town he's talking about. Uh, Jason Isbell might have had the best response ever. He said, in my small town, we try writing our own songs since Jason oh, yeah, Aldean Jason was not this. a co-writer of this. So no. um, uh, you left out one of the biggest endorsements of this track. Donald Trump is a supporter of the track as well. I know we never talk about politics, well, but apparently Keith, he, not, he embraced the track. I'm not on Truth Social, so I actually didn't Neither see am that. I, but I just saw it in the news, for God's sakes, because this is where we are. Like, this is why so many people bought this song, because it was I heard it twice on NPR over oh, the course wow. of two different days. Wow. Two different completely news stories. Wow. Two different news stories. Wow. Two different narratives. That's how big this song is. I didn't hear a single thing about Jungkook on NPR. It's all about Jason Aldean <laughs> oh, and his music Army? video. Are you not pressuring yeah. NPR enough? 
Like, come on, don't, don't you want to get... Can't, can't someone do a story about Lotto dancing on a casket? Isn't but, that controversial? But guess who's number one? Jungkook is number one, so... There's that. That's also, also a really wild top two on the Hot 100, you have to say. The wildest like, I've last, ever, maybe ever seen. Last week, Katie, when you were when we were talking about, gosh, Morgan Wallen, how long is he going to be number one for? Well, it's going to be a second till he gets back to number one. What a quaint but, argument. But you did say, <laughs> you did say you wanted those days where the number one was like a big pop culture moment. Oh, we're man. So, so close. <laughs> so close. You're so right. Well, yeah, so you're close. right. My mom probably heard about it on the Today Show, too. <laughs> I yeah, OK. Anyway, lastly, <laughs> in a lighter news. Uh, Taylor Swift's third re-recorded album, Speak Now, Taylor's version, spends a second week at number one on the Billboard 200 after debuting atop the list a week ago. It's the first Swift re-recorded project to spend its first two weeks at number one. It leads a chart that is absent of a single debut in the top ten this week, and that's the first time that's happened in six months. Next week, we expect possibly significant debuts on the list from the Barbie soundtrack, Greta Van Fleet, and New Jeans. All right, on to some headlines over on Billboard.com. Britney Spears and Will I Am have reunited for the new dance pop track, Mind Your Business. Let's take mind a quick listen. Business. Mind your business. Let's take a listen. So, of course, this is not the first time the duo has joined forces. They worked together on a few songs for Britney's Femme Fatale and Britney Jean albums. But their biggest collab was Scream and Shout from the Black Eyed Peas leader's Will Power album in 2012. That song peaked at number three on the Hot 100 back in 2013. And they both share the same catchphrase. You are now rocking with Will I Am and Britney, bitch. So, my first question about this song is, where did this song come from? Because someone's hard drive that yeah. has been sitting around for a while. Will Will did a few interviews. I read an interview with him um, on Variety. I I watched an interview with him on Good Morning America. Um, he hasn't got to Billboard yet. Jeez, he come was on, Will. very cagey about like the timing of all of this. Um, and obviously they have had a lot of sessions together in the past. Um, and a lot of people are speculating this is probably from uh, one of those previous sessions and that Brittany and him did not, you know, get back into the studio recently. So um, but I haven't found any confirmation of any time frame. So I'm just being very, very vague. Um I think that um, the song shares a lot sonically with Scream and Shout, so I would not be surprised if it were made around the same time as, you know, when he was making his Willpower album in 2012, probably. Sure. Um, but uh, just, you know, kind of first impressions of the song, like, this is, it, there's a lot of patented Will I Am Black Eyed Peas moments in this between the kind of uh, repetitive lyrics would you say repetitive, and, uh, like first draft free association sort of <laughs> vibe? My the, the favorite part for me was like when it wasn't even mind your business, but it was just mind your bee. <laughs> they were just saying mind your bee. Mind your bee. 
uh, I have to say, mm. I listened to it a few times and I it got better as I listened to it more because I was just it, it's it is fun. I have to say yeah, it's anything very can wear fun. you down after a while. <laughs> it sure can. Um, I don't know how necessary it is in either of these artists, you know, catalogs. But uh, I, I think that obviously with the response around, um, you know, him announcing that it was going to be released last week and, uh, you know, fan excitement. Actually, we do a fan poll every week about, you know, what's the best release on New Music Friday. And this won the fan poll. So obviously, like the Britney fans are happy to have something. Um, she actually uh, this is only the second release from her since uh, her conservatorship of 13 years ended. The first being the Elton John um, duet Hold Me Closer, which uh, which I mean, I'll maybe you're going to say this, but I'm like with that one, we knew exactly how that one was made. Right. Like, which was also from previous recordings and um, that were then revived. Uh, you know, I, I think that one, maybe it felt different to me because, you know, wait, well, wait how old how old were Britney's vocals on that track? Were oh, you saying was, that that was some old thing? Yeah, the Hold Me Closer one? Yeah. I think that they said that I think that there was uh, there was speculation about it being from older recordings. Right. But Watt said Watt did an interview, though, too. And he did actually get to record her, didn't he? Yeah. He yeah. apparently recorded Britney's vocals. Yeah, that's right. He did. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. Um, Friend of the podcast, Watt. Yes. <laughs> recorded Britney for that. Um, I mean, obviously, all of Elton's bits, I think, were probably old older because it was like a, it was a mashup of older stuff and maybe he did something new on it but i think that was a little bit different it felt like they they that was a elton reaching out to britney saying hey can we do something together like you know i would love to to collaborate uh you know like a helping hand yeah. like support sort of thing and it, that seems very different than this, which seems like, is this like a leftover from a vault somewhere? Because a, Will has not explicitly said, oh, no, this is totally brand new. Right. Because if it was, he would have said that. And there were some. So the other thing that's different, I feel like Brittany really hyped up Hold Me Closer um, on her socials uh, with, you know, some new videos and things like, you know, just promoting the song promotion um there's a little bit here and obviously she had to i think she had to approve its release right wouldn't she have to maybe approve the release or we don't actually know i haven't to be fair she shared a link to the song from her instagram stories and if you go to britneyspears.com as of now or as of monday when we're recording the show um the song is promoted uh, on BritneySpears.com as well. Because I'm sure Britney Spears herself is like coding her website. Right. And also her Instagram's currently deactivated. So <laughs> right. you could not find that on her Instagram story right now. Even if you tried. Um, I think I'm just, I, all of this, we're, da we're dancing around a question here. The question is like, you know, what do music fans want from Britney Spears in the year 2023? Um, she obviously, you know, has been through more than we could possibly even say over the last 15 years or so. And, uh, you know, I think fans are happy to have little tastes of her here and there. I think they would like maybe to see something new, but maybe she doesn't want to make that new thing, you know, and that's up to her what she does, you know? Sure. So. But, but of all the things sitting in the vault, this is what they release yeah
I don't know. I mean, I'm not trying to shit all over Will. Sorry, Will, and sorry no, for the language. No, by the way, but it's just like I'm a huge fan of what the Black Eyed Peas have done recently um, with a lot of Latin artists. Most like my favorite being their song with Shakira, um, "Girl Like You." I love that song. So like, this is not Will I Am hate by any means. Like this is no. just like this song might not have been the thing to to you know blow up at this proportion to be the second release that we get from britney and you know in years and years which all of it just sort of again begs like why why is this coming out like if britney is not even really promoting it will is promoting it but not actually saying when they recorded it why why is this song even out yeah like why does it even exist um, now, I like the fact that the title of it is Mind Your Business because it's a play off of how she wants to retain some privacy off of social media. Well, and there's and references in the song to paparazzi and obviously she's. Yeah. What were you going to say? I was going to say the first verse to me seems a little bit more um, au courant. The second verse where it sounds, you know, she's talking about paparazzi chasing me, London, Paris. Yuck. I'm like, really? You're, when was the last time you were in London and or Paris being chased by the paparazzi? If, you're talking about if she paparazzi, went to London and or Paris, she would be chased by the paparazzi, but she hasn't like, been recently. That, that entire verse just dates itself to like a decade right, ago. Right. So like, I don't know if if it was a brand new song, maybe it would have been like, you know, why? Why are you trying to DM me on Instagram and TikTokery? I don't know. Just <laughs> something like that. Like, like, stop trying to like, stop trying to tweet me. I don't know. It's like a hostage holding up like a current day's newspaper. You want like kind a of. reference to TikTok. <laughs> and like, the, I mean, she I mean, what I want to happen is I want. When this book of hers comes out, mm-hmm. her autobiography, this book that comes out That's the next Britney release I'm most looking forward to. Yes. I am looking forward to the sit-down interview, hopefully mm. with like an Oprah, mm-hmm. where Britney just lays it all out there and says, here's everything that happened. You know, and just, just because we haven't really heard from Britney herself, yeah. really, aside from her like dancing for a hot second on social media. And then she says... A, a couple like my book's coming i worked on it really hard bye y'all and then she goes <laughs> horse riding on a beach anyway I, I you know what i've i would actually want though from this song like if she is really into it i would love a new music video because that is something that she would have full ultimate control over like she chooses the director she chooses the treatment she chooses the fashion i want to see what a Britney Spears music video looks like right now, because I think it could be very beautiful. And it could, I mean, I wanted that for Hold Me Closer, too. I wanted a music video that had new Britney in it. Um, I just God, if we couldn't get a video for Hold Me Closer, no, will we get we're one not going to get one. We're not going to no. get one for this, I don't think. Um, I mean, if if Britney didn't even come out on stage without any of these, I'm sure they asked at any of these final performances in LA, in the UK, etc. Um, we're probably not getting a music video, but I just, I, I, I feel like that, that's something that I would like to see from Britney. And I think that she would like the, I don't know. I don't know what she would like. I can't speculate what she would like. I think we just all really like Britney as a pop star and want little pieces of it. And that's so we want a piece of her. You want a piece of her? I do. Mm-hmm. I want a piece of her. Um, no, but I guess that's what it all comes down to. So her fans are very like there's people that are very pumped about this song and are going to throw their way behind it. And I'm curious, uh, Keith, we've been talking about these 
crazy top two songs in the Hot 100, where do we think that Mind Your Business could end up next week? Well, I'm just going to take a wild flying guess and say it's not going to be top two. (laughs) Unless she's putting out a music video where she's going to put herself in front of a Georgia courthouse or something. She would be of, in, she'd be in Louisiana. That's where she's from. Sure. <laughs> and she'll dance on top of a casket. Oh I mean, if God. we can combine those two things together. <sighs> oh, OK. Let's do a total and utter pop music whiplash right now and talk about some very sad news uh, from last week. Uh, legendary singer Tony Bennett died Friday morning at age 96. His career spanned from 1950 a recording career, I should say, to 2021's Love for Sale, which was his second duet album with Lady Gaga. Um, the singer was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease in 2016, and in 2021, he announced that he was retiring from touring and performing after one last show in August of that year with Gaga at Radio City Music Hall, entitled One Last Time. Uh, I don't even know how to begin to encapsulate Tony Bennett's legacy in like a podcast, because we can't. But I mean, there are so many um, moments of like a career renaissance for this man, too. As we said, his recording career started in 1950. But then there are swaths of fans who found out who he was for the first time in the early 1990s from his MTV Unplugged, which the network actually re-aired over the weekend in tribute to Tony. Um, And then, of course, there's legions of fans who found him from his duets album where he duetted with Amy Winehouse, um, you know, 13 years ago, 14 years ago. And then from these two Lady Gaga duet albums and uh, the performances that they did together and the Grammys that they won. Um, So it's just it's really he touched many generations through like always, you know, evolving. um, And it's just You know, I feel like his loss is felt by so many people because of the multitudes of people that he entertained over decades. You know, absolutely. I mean, there's there's a whole generation of people that didn't know who Tony Bennett was until he started working with Lady Gaga. Yep. With artists like Amy Winehouse and Lady Gaga, you know, their uh, families really loved Tony Bennett. So they grew up listening to him. So then they got the opportunity to work with him. And then he gave them the gift of introducing whole new sides of of their artistry and their voices to an older generation, too. Like, I think a lot of, you know, Lady Gaga's outreach to an older generation, like through her, you know, Sound of Music uh, tribute at the Oscars and through doing these duets with Tony Bennett, um, it just showed like, oh, this girl can really sing. Um, She's not just this kind of weirdo making like, you know, bad romance music video or whatever. Like she's got like a lot of talent. And it was because of an endorsement from someone like Tony Bennett that she was able to kind of transcend um, being, you know, like an avant garde pop star. But to be so much more than that, you know. So anyway, I got to I got a chance to interview Tony in 2017 for Billboard uh, ahead of two concerts that he was performing at the Hollywood Bowl that year. And it was also after his 90th birthday TV special had been nominated for two Emmys. Um, And he told me this really amazing story that really stuck with me. Um, And I the minute I heard the news on Friday, I looked it back up to be reminded of of the story. But um, he uh, was performing his first ever show at the Hollywood Bowl, which had been. Well, let me do some math. It was 55 years prior to his 2017 show. Oh, my God. Don't make me do that math. I should have written that down. 
<laughs> so 65. 17 minus 55 equals 1962. Oh. So he performed his first uh, ever show at the Hollywood Bowl in 1962 when he was a 35 year old man, by the way. Um, Ancient and <laughs> Right. And uh, he was performing a song called Lost in the Stars. And the audience all of a sudden he's like looking out at the audience and all of a sudden they all gasped like collectively and broke into applause in the middle of his performance and he didn't really know why he's like looking around like what's going on and when he walked off stage he said that he asked his team like what was all the fuss about and uh he told me as i was singing a beautiful shooting star just went right over the bowl as he was singing the song called Lost in the Stars, by the way, and made everyone stand up and see what happened, just like it was part of the show. So I, I that just always stuck with me as being this cute thing. He's like, that's what he always remembered from the Hollywood Bowl. Um, and that interview was really sweet because um, his... Uh, his publicist was like really protective of him. We did not know this at the time, but he had already been diagnosed with Alzheimer's at that point. And she was very protective over, you know, um, making sure that he uh, told his stories clearly. And, and she, she kind of hopped in when he needed a little assistance, but um, she was, you know, ahead of time to like preparing me for like, Oh, I might jump in. I might jump in. But he, it was like talking to the Tony Bennett you saw on stage all the time, just like telling like amazing, charming stories. And she did not need to jump in and help that much because he was still, um, even after that diagnosis, still just like, um, you know, an entertainer, like while he yeah. was talking to me. Um, so I'm, you know, so appreciative to be able to to have had that experience. All right. Well, now it's time for the chart stat of the week. Years ago, Talking Heads' biggest Hot 100 hit, Burning Down the House, debuted on the chart, starting at number 84 on the list dated July 30th, 1983. The dancey, funky alternative rock track would eventually fire up all the way to number 9 that October and spend a total of 20 weeks on the list. The track also reached number 6 on the mainstream rock airplay chart, while its parent album, Speaking in Tongues, became the band's highest charting album on the Billboard 200, topping out at number 15 that year. Uh, so Burning Down the House would garner Talking Heads its first Grammy Award nomination for Best Rock Performance by a Duo or Group with Vocal. It actually lost to the Police's Synchronicity album, because back then... This category blended both songs and albums. It seems kind of unfair to compare a song to an entire album, but hey, whatever. Uh, while Talking Heads never won a Grammy, the band was honored with a Lifetime Achievement Award in 2022. As for Talking Heads on the Hot 100, the band, led by David Byrne, would collect a total of eight hits on the list, including such familiar favorites as Psycho Killer, And She Was, once in a Lifetime, and Wild Wild Life. So there you have it. 40 years ago this week, Talking Heads heated up the Hot 100 as the band's smash single Burning Down the House debuted on the chart. Katie, do you remember the first time you heard Burning Down the House? I don't remember the first time, but I do love that song. 
I think the first time I heard it, or the first time I really remember remembering it, was probably in the movie Revenge of the Nerds. Oh, wow. It, I never saw those movies. Wow. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, it's good. Great for the time. It's a time capsule. I know. I'm shocked I haven't. I've, I've seen so many like 80s comedies that I don't know why that wasn't on my it's list. But, like, yeah. If you've seen Revenge of the Nerds, you've probably also seen Police Academy and Porky's. You know, it's, it's <laughs> um, actually I do have a movie moment for, with Burning Down the House, though, because it's also in 13 Going on 30 starring Jennifer Garner. Hmm. Uh, when she is the 13-year-old version of herself in the 80s, and her neighbor best friend, Maddie, plays Burning Down the House for her character. D- yeah. Different generations learn about music through different <laughs> Once again, ways. Through, very true. Uh, the Talking Heads span generations thanks to sinks and TV and film. Tony Bennett through working mm-hmm. with different, you know, music. It's a universal thing, everybody. True statement. How do we relate this back to Jason Aldean and his song? No, we. I don't think we do. Yeah, we'll never know. Maybe it'll be synced in some movie in about 15 maybe years. We should, maybe we should end with uh, John Mellencamp's Small Town. Oh. It's just a totally different small town. Love John Mellencamp. Let's do that. Let's do it. All right. Bye. Bye. Well, I was born in a small town. And I live in a small town. 